This is GM Word of the Week, and I'm Fiddleback. Rakshasa. Have we mentioned before that there are some really weird beasts in the role-playing games we love? Well, there are. We've mentioned the weirdness of the stump bunny beast, known only as a wolf in sheep's clothing, and discussed the strange fungoid myconids. Those creatures have a sort of obvious, outright weirdness to them. A sort of what-the-heck kind of weirdness. But sometimes the weirdness is different. It's a double-take sort of weirdness, an incongruousness, a sort of... Huh? What's that? Did you just get a sense of deja vu? Alright, yes, you caught us. That was basically the same opening as our last episode about the GIF, but it's not our fault. This episode's word, Rakshasa, was supposed to be last episode's word. The GIF were just going to be a throwaway about weird humanoids with animal heads and strange clothes. But as often happens when writing these particular verbal meanderings, we got distracted. And we found ourselves looking at the history of Spelljammer, and at astronomy, and at murderous renaissance astronomers. Do you really blame us? But now we're going to do the Rakshasa. Though, while we're on the subject, déjà vu is kind of a funny little thing, isn't it? It comes from a French term that basically translates to already seen. And that's exactly what it is. A weird little tickle in your brain that makes you think you've been there and done that. We should point out, by the way, that it is not seeing the same thing happen twice, as Keanu Reeves claimed in the 1999 sci-fi and pop philosophy action thriller movie The Matrix by the Wachowski siblings. If you don't recall, that movie posited that our reality was an elaborate computer simulation being fed into our brains. When the evil computer running the simulation edited reality to trap the heroes, it caused the same cat to walk past Keanu Reeves twice, as if in a loop. A glitch in the matrix. He called it deja vu. We call him a dope. See, deja vu is actually the feeling of recollection attached to something that never happened before. You find yourself in a situation and you feel like you remember it, and this isn't the first time you've experienced it. Neurologists have been confused about this weird quirk of the brain for ages. The problem is, it's not something you can just trigger in test subjects, so it's hard to study in a lab. But Michelle Hook, PhD and assistant professor of neuroscience at Texas A&M University, recognized an interesting pattern. She noticed that some patients suffering from a particular form of epilepsy reported feelings of deja vu immediately prior to having epileptic seizures. This led her to investigate the possibility of deja vu as a misfiring of neurons in the brain, even in healthy individuals. You know, for example, how you sometimes spasm awake when you're about to fall asleep? That hypnagogic jerk, as it's called, is caused by an abnormal electrical impulse in the brain, a little glitch. While her work hasn't yet been conclusive, she has put forth an interesting theory. When you experience something, lots of sensory signals are getting sent to all different parts of your brain, the bits that see, the bits that hear, the bits that feel, the bits that form memories, and so on. And if there's a little brain hiccup in one of those messages, a glitch, the messages end up out of sync. One part of your brain receives the signals later than the others, and so it feels like you're experiencing something you already experienced. However, 
Other studies have suggested that deja vu might be caused by experiences accidentally getting routed to the part of the brain responsible for long-term memories instead of momentary memories, and that creates the odd feeling of recollection. It's still very much up in the air. But we digress. Back to the story. Incongruousness. Weird images, like, say, flipping through the monster manual and seeing a tiger in a lavish robe smoking a pipe, and then realizing his hands are on backwards. The Rakshasa. The Rakshasa is a fiendish monster. In its natural form, it appears as a humanoid tiger, noble and powerful, and it has a preference for fine clothing. The oddest feature about it is that its hands are reversed. Its palms are where the back of its hand should be. But most people never see the true form of the Rakshasa. Or at least, if they do, it's the last thing they ever see. The Rakshasa is an evil, scheming, trickster monster. It can read thoughts and disguise itself, creating new identities and living among the mortal people of the world. It prefers lavish, wealthy, affluent identities. Nowadays, Rakshasa are born in the Nine Hells as evil spirits, the result of twisted experiments by the devils to free their own spirits from the Hells. A Rakshasa is an evil spirit wrapped in a tiger body that enters the material world to sate its appetite for corruption and for human flesh. And if it dies, it suffers an agonizing return to the Hells where it gradually, arduously, painfully reforms its body and it remembers every moment of the process. And it remembers who killed it. But the Rakshasa weren't always tiger monsters with backwards hands from hell. They first appeared in issue 5 of TSR's monthly wargaming and D&D magazine, The Strategic Review. They appeared in a regular sidebar feature called Creature Features that offered a couple of new monsters each month for D&D game masters. Just two pages after an article about whether a World War II-era German tank could take out a clutch of trolls. Yes, tanks versus trolls. The strategic review was awesome. Anyway, the Rakshasa were described as evil spirits, encased in flesh, who first came from India. And after the tank and troll thing, it's not so weird that a Dungeons & Dragons monster might hail from India, right? No mention of tiger heads or backward hands. But they could read minds, and they could shape change, and they used those powers to assume a trustworthy form so they could get close to someone, and then eat them. Because tiger heads and hellish origins are not, evil spirits eat people. That's just the way it is. The Rakshasa were republished numerous times, first in the Gods, Demigods, and Heroes supplement from the original Dungeons & Dragons in 1976, and then in the Advanced Dungeons & Dragons 1st edition in 1977. Thereafter, it appeared in every monster manual for every edition of D&D, and gradually they become the creatures they are today. The earlier publications described them as ferocious mixtures of humans and animals, no two of which looked alike. And their bodies were incidental, because they retained the description of being an evil spirit wearing a body like a skin. But the pictures that accompanied the descriptions featured a noble-looking tiger dude in a robe smoking a pipe. And as D&D got away from mentioning the real world, the connection to India was dropped. The tiger thing stuck and became their default form. And the backwards hand? Well, it's hard to say where that even came into the picture. The original images of the Rakshasa had clearly normal hands lighting its pipe. So what inspired the Rakshasa in D&D? 
If you said Hindu mythology, well, good on you for knowing your mythological monsters. But bad on you for getting the wrong answer. The answer is actually American actor Darren McGavin. Or more precisely, his fictional avatar, Carl Kolchak, the Chicago News reporter. What are we talking about? We're talking about the 1970 television series Kolchak the Night Stalker. The whole story starts in Las Vegas in the early 1970s with the son of a mob-connected costume maker. The costumer, Rob Rice, was part of a group of people who operated a struggling hotel and casino in Las Vegas, Nevada, known as the Dunes. At the time, the hotel was struggling to get investors, and it was the subject of all sorts of rumors, including being secretly owned by a mob boss from New England and his lawyer. Rob moved his family to Las Vegas, and thus his son Jeff Rice was pulled into the glitzy neon and shadowy criminal underworld of the gambling capital of the United States in the 1970s. And life was not good to him. Jeff struggled to make money on his own, to distance himself from that life, and worked for a time as a reporter, all while subject to severe bouts of depression. But in 1971, he wrote a novel called The Kolchak Papers. It was about a reporter named Carl Kolchak who investigates a rash of serial killings in Las Vegas that turn out to be the work of a vampire. The novel wasn't published, but the rights to make a television movie out of it were sold to the American Broadcasting Company without Rice's permission, and without his receiving any proceeds. So in 1972, Americans got to watch The Night Stalker. The movie was a success. People liked the mix of gritty crime drama and the supernatural. A second film was made, and then it became a TV series. The setting was moved to Chicago. Each week, Carl Kolchak would investigate crimes that the police wouldn't or couldn't touch because of the weird supernatural elements. And in one episode, he finds himself up against a mysterious shape-shifting Sasquatch demon from India, a Rakshasa and the only way he can kill it is with a crossbow bolt blessed by a priest. Gygax admitted in an online Q&A in 2005 that this is where he got his inspiration for the Rakshasa. He even included the bit about it being instantly killed by blessed crossbow bolts, though he also admitted that nowadays he wouldn't allow such a dangerous creature as the Rakshasa to be so easily killed with a single MacGuffin like a blessed crossbow bolt. But that said, it is clear that both the writers of Kolchak and the various monster designers of D&D knew their mythology. Even if Gygax was inspired by Kolchak, there's a lot of mythology in the Rakshasa. According to Hindu legend, Rakshasa and the female Rakshasi are hideous, flesh-eating humanoid demons of towering physique. No two look alike but they all feature horns, fangs, and claws. They are all beastly. Many have fiery manes and glowing eyes. Some have extra heads and arms. They are extremely powerful and brutally savage, but worse still, they are masters of magic. They can fly, spit fire, and animate the dead. They delight in deception and illusion, especially in shape-shifting, and they are nearly impossible to kill except with blessed weapons. The Rakshasa were born at the end of the Satya Yuga. What does that mean? Well, the Hindu faith is all about cycles, creation, destruction, and rebirth. And so they divide history into four epochs, four periods of time that keep recurring over and over. In each of these yugas or periods, a different force or idea is keeping humankind from escaping from the illusion of reality and ascending to divinity. 
The cycle begins with the Satya Yuga, which is said to be 1.7 million years long and represents a golden age in which humanity is close to the gods and morality rules. Following that, humanity declines through the Treta Yuga, the Dwapara Yuga, and finally reaches a time of strife and chaos known as the Kali Yuga. When the Kali Yuga ends, a divine being is born and establishes a new Satya Yuga. At the end of the last Satya Yuga, Brahma, the Hindu creator deity, fell asleep, and his breath was so bad from sleeping that it crystallized into horrible demons. The demons immediately begin devouring Brahman, who woke up crying out, Rakshama, which meant, someone help me. Vishnu, another deity, saved Brahma by banishing the bad breath demons to earth, where they used their magic to take on disguises and live among humanity and eat humanity. And the humans named them Rakshasa and Rakshasi. Rakshasa feature throughout Hindu myth and legend. They fill the role of western demons and Japanese yokai. But not all Rakshasa were equally wicked. For example, in the great Sanskrit epic poem, the Mahabharata, we are introduced to Bhima and Hidimbi. Bhima was a famous hero, a great slayer of Rakshasa. He was so skilled he could slay them without special weapons or magic. He was just that good. And he wandered the countryside killing monsters. But he never forgot one specific Rakshasi, Hidimbi, who fell in love with him and saved his life. See, when he was young, he and his friends decided to go camping in a demon-infested forest because kids are stupid. And a powerful Rakshasa, Hidimba, decided to eat the kids. So he sent his daughter Hidimbi to sneak into the camp and gather information. When she did, she saw Bhima and instantly fell in love with him. She didn't need anyone and told the kids all about her father's plans. And when Hidimba, the father, came to attack, Bhima was able to slay him with the information that Hidimbi, the daughter, had provided. And then he started a career as a Rakshasa hunter. Now, if you're a fan of the cult classic Super Nintendo RPG Earthbound, released in the US in 1994 to a lukewarm reception, you might be interested in another Rakshasa story. If you're not an Earthbound fan, in our opinion, you're wrong. It was a wonderful RPG about a 10-year-old boy and his dog and his friends trekking across the modern world to battle aliens and evil monsters with psychic powers, frying pans, and baseball bats. It is quirky, but surprisingly emotional and extremely funny. And it is filled with odd references and puns and gags. And one of them only made complete sense to us as we were researching this very episode. See, once upon a time in India, according to the Hindu Ramayana text, there was a kingdom of Rakshasas on an island fortress called Lanka. The demons were able to work together despite their constant infighting because their king, Ravana, was a ten-headed super-Rakshasa who kept them all in line. Until they were defeated by monkeys. See, Rama was an avatar of Vishnu, the mortal personification of the deity. And he is the central figure of the Ramayana, which is recognized to be one of the longest epic poems in world literature. It tells the tale of Rama's exile from his homeland, his travels across India with his wife and brother, and ultimately, his return to his homeland as king. At one point, King Ravana kidnaps Rama's wife, Sita. And so Rama leads an army of monkeys to invade Lanka. 
There, Rama secures the assistance of Ravana's brother, the demon Vibhishana, who turns out to be pretty noble for a demon. Rama and his monkeys fight against the demons and their elephants, and Rama finally slays King Ravana with a magical weapon blessed by the deity Brahma. Now, we should note that there's some question about whether Rama's monkeys were really monkeys. Although the word for his soldiers, Vanara, does indeed mean monkey nowadays, there is some argument as to whether Rama's soldiers were actually a tribe of forest people who worshipped monkeys and wore waste ornaments that looked like tails. But we're less interested in that argument than we are in Earthbound. See, in Earthbound, at one point, you have to recover a yogurt machine that was accidentally lost in the desert by a delivery driver and taken by a tribe of monkeys into their secret cave. The monkeys, friendly, funny little creatures, tell you that the cave is their sanctuary and was built by the wise man Tala Rama. Now, we recognize this as a reference to the title of the Buddhist spiritual leader, the Dalai Lama. But what we never understood is why he had all those pet monkeys. But now we understand that the name was a double pun. It was a reference to both the Dalai Lama and to Rama who led a monkey army. Sorry, we get a little excited about this stuff too sometimes. But that's pretty much the story of the Rakshasa. And it explains just about everything about the Rakshasa in D&D. Well, everything except the backwards hands. Where does that come from? Well, it turns out, it only makes sense if the Rakshasa are tiger people and not ferocious man-beast demons. Because according to some Asian legends, tigers are supernatural creatures. Many of them are actually what we call weird tigers. They can assume a human guise. And the only way to tell a weird tiger from a normal tiger or a normal human is by looking at their hands. Their hands and paws are always backwards. And somewhere along the way, some D&D designer conflated the Rakshasa as a demonic shapeshifter who looks like a tiger with the legends of Asian weird tigers. As if they weren't bad enough already. This has been GM Word of the Week. It's written and researched by the Angry GM and produced by me, Fiddleback. You can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash gmwordoftheweek. You can find more at gmwordoftheweek.com and theangrygm.com. <laughs>